Spirit stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You're established, you established the earth, and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me. But I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. That's it. That's it. Okay, let's see here. We have uh, some prayer requests. Burke's son John has lost a lot, a lot of weight. He's definitely uh, struggling right now, so we want to keep him in prayer for the continued cancer issue that he's going through. And give, pray for strength for the family as well. Uh, Don's shoulder is still hurting him pretty badly, so we'll keep Don in prayer. And, uh, really? Yeah, I, I emailed this morning to ask about it, and I guess it's just giving him some trouble. So if it was me, I don't know how he is, but if it was me, it would be permanently giving me trouble because I can't stop. I want to work. And so I, I end up tearing things that I, you know, and maybe that's what he's like, or maybe it's just something that's not, I don't know. But uh, Don, let's see here. Uh, Isabero Enda's daughter, he's over in Ireland, and his daughter was a little girl, beautiful little girl. She was in the hospital last week, all week with sepsis, and now she's been readmitted. And so they're really, you know, concerned about that. Uh, so keep uh, Isabero in prayer. And let's see here, uh, Becky has uh, some, been having just uh, constant stomach problems and she says she's physically worn down. So we wanna keep her in prayer. And then Pete, who we prayed for last week, he's supposed to have eye surgery uh, two days ago. He ended up having um, high blood pressure. They need to get that under control. And until they do that, he can't have his eye surgery. So we're gonna keep Pete in prayer for his blood pressure so he can get his eye surgery so he can see what he's doing. And then uh, Jeremy, um, he's got anxiety and stress uh, with his work and it's uh, just cutting into his ability to focus on the word and his walk with the Lord and uh, I guess um, when you say I have anxiety we should take the words of Paul and apply them to ourselves let us be anxious for nothing it's difficult though and you can tell that Paul suffered with his own anxiety at times so um, it's easy for us to say things like that, but it's harder when we're struggling with the issues of, of life. So um, uh, I just keep all these people in prayer. Very serious situation, some of them. And, and uh, uh, our daughter, Robin. Robin. Uh, Robin, uh, Jim's daughter, is having some personal problems that are really debilitating. I mean, they're just, I, I, it's been going on for a long time, but it's come to a head. And so we want to keep Robin in prayer as well. Good. Thanks. Um, you bet. Um, all right, well, we'll pray first, and then we'll do the Christian history. He Heavenly Father, you have heard these prayer requests, and you know each and every one of them, you're intimately familiar with each person that's struggling, and uh, whether it's a physical problem or whether it's a personal problem or it's a uh, problem with work or with family or whatever else it is, you, we've raised each of them up to you, and you know them, you know these people, and you know the troubles they're going through. So we would just pray that you would be with these people and, and just your hand would rest upon them and help them to uh, uh, just trust in you, to focus on you, and to hand these things over to you in their lives. 
there's nothing we can do about these things in and of ourselves. So we just look to you and ask for your hand of grace. And uh, also lift up Tom, who is uh, having um, uh, some problems with his air conditioner for over a week in a brand new house. And so they're living in great heat. And also our other brother, Tom, who's got his own physical problems. We lift him up as well. So, Lord, and anybody else that's having troubles or trials, we lift all of them up to you, Lord. Uh, search out your people and be with them in their times of trouble. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Very difficult. Um, yeah, poor Tom, the pizza guy down there. They, they got a brand new house, and the reason why they, they paid... Uh, for a smaller house, but it was new because they thought we're going to have no problems. No problems. Yeah, right. and that's, that's uh, a fallacy. No sooner do they move in than the air conditioner's been nothing but grief, and the contractors are debating on whose fault it is, and instead of taking care of the issue, so it's just unbelievable. It, life. Okay, uh, today is the twenty-second, I think. Uh, if it's not, yell loud and quickly. Okay, 22nd. Let's see what we have here. A truly great teacher lives on in the lives of his students. Every store closed and all business was suspended on 22 June 1878 in Princeton, New Jersey. The occasion was a funeral, but not for a war hero or for a famous statesman, as one might presume. It was the funeral of Charles Hodge, the leading American theologian of the 19th century. Now imagine that. Princeton wouldn't even, they wouldn't do anything for a yeah. Christian professor nowadays. Uh, born in Philadelphia in 1797, the son of an army surgeon, Hodge attended Princeton College and while there made a public profession of faith in Christ in a revival that spread through the college in the winter of 1814-1815. After graduating, he went across the street to attend Princeton's se seminary receiving his degree in 1819. One year later, Hodge became an instructor at the seminary at the age of 23. He remained there for the rest of his life. During his lifetime, he taught more than 3,000 students. His influence was spread further because thousands heard his sermons and tens of thousands read his writings. Hodge wrote over 5,000 pages in the Biblical Repertory, later named the Princeton Review. A theological journal that he founded. In addition, he wrote a similar amount in articles published elsewhere and in his books. And in his books, his three-volume systematic theology is still a standard today. Yet Hodge's greatest legacy was not his writings, but the 3,000 students he taught through the years. Most of them became pastors, missionaries, and church leaders. Perhaps the best illustration of Hodge's impact on his students was the graduation tradition at the seminary that began about 1868 and continued every year until Hodge's death. After the benediction was pronounced, the graduating class made a circle around Charles Hodge at the middle of the front campus. They sang several verses of the hymn, All Hail, the Power of Jesus' Name, then making a tighter circle with each graduate crossing his arms across his chest and grasping the hands of the students on either side, they sang together, Blessed be the tie that binds followed by the doxology. After Hodge pronounced a benediction, he shook hands with each student and all went their separate ways to minister the gospel. When Charles Hodge died, the entire town of Princeton closed down to honor its most beloved son at his funeral on June 22, 1878. A former student who gave the funeral address said, when due allowance was made for his intellect and his learning, his chief power was in his goodness. 
Christ enshrined in his heart was the center of his theology and life. The word shall write upon his monument, great, but we, his students, will write upon it, good. The funeral procession moved slowly down Witherspoon Street to the cemetery where his sons laid him in the grave next to the wife of his youth. They read one once more the inspiration that Hodge, as a grieving husband years before, had placed on his wife's tombstone. We lay you gently here, our best beloved, to gather strength and beauty for the coming of the Lord. Charles Hodge invested his life in his students. In so doing, he was following Jesus' example of investing his life in his disciples. Think of the people who are in your daily sphere of influence, your children, co-workers, neighbors, and friends. Whom do you believe God has given to you in whom you can invest your life? You have heard me teach many things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Teach these great truths to trustworthy people who are able to pass them on to others. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. So there you go, Charles Hodge. That was wonderful. I, I just am crushed at the thought of what Princeton is like today. Mm. It's just a den of iniquity like all of the other seminaries that were started and have become these giant money-making machines that teach gay issues and just it's unbelievable unbelievable what's happened in in the world of christianity so but i we'll, misunderstood you at first you, i thought it was 1978 I'm no like, no 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 yeah like what yeah no definitely not that that's definitely not the case okay we have yes what was the, the last name hodge h-o-d-g-e hodge oh hodge okay yep Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge, yeah. Okay, so we have, um, we didn't finish chapter four last week. I, it was just so exciting to go through the rapture verses that uh, uh, we didn't get to that. But, you know, I've been stewing for the past two days on the timeline of the rapture um, because, you know, that's not given in 1 Thessalonians 4. The events of the rapture are given there, and we actually have to get to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 to get to the actual timing of the rapture. But I've had people send me over the past couple days several things on the timing of the rapture. And I can't tell you how wrong people can be. They pick verses out of, out of Matthew, for example. They pick verses out of Revelation. Those are not what detail the timing of the rapture. That's not it. Okay, I'll say this just so people understand this. Now, we're we talked about the rapture. We're gonna, oh, before I do that, I got a shirt that says got an alien spaceship with people being sucked up into it and it says aliens didn't take us and then on the back it says anybody i did in a picture of jesus so there you go that's what we're talking about is the taking of the church home i'm not going to get into 2 thessalonians 2 today we're going to be there soon enough it's it's not going to be long but i will say this okay and we talked about this a little bit last week paul what was called to macedonia he went over to macedonia Okay, and while he's in Macedonia, they go to Thessalonica. After Thessalonica, they leave there in a hurry and they get to anybody next stop, Berea. Okay, they're in Berea. He's not there very long. And then he goes down to Greece. No, Athens. Yes, Greece, yes, but Athens specifically. Okay, so you're both right, uh, country, city. Okay, so he's now down in the area of Greece, no longer Macedonia. He's in, uh, I'm sorry, down in Greece, he's no longer Macedonia. He's in Athens a very short amount of time. Very short. Okay, and then from there he goes to? Ephesians? Uh, no. No. It begins Corinth. chapter 18. Corinth. Corinth. He goes to Corinth. So now he is in Corinth. 
So from a very short time, he was in Thessalonica. And then he went to Corinth. He wrote one Thessalonians while in Corinth and two Thessalonians. Okay, he was there, uh, it says a year and six months, and then something happened, and it was uh, probably a few more months, uh, many days, it says. And then from there, he moved on. Okay, so he's been there about, we'll say, close to two years, maybe not quite. We don't know exactly. But while he is in Corinth, he writes to the Thessalonians. And he says, don't you remember when I told you these things? And he gives the timeline of the rapture. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, behold, I show you a mystery. A mystery. Okay. Jesus never addressed the rapture of the church. He didn't speak of the, the church in the way that most people think of. He was addressing Jews under the law, and he was alluding to them coming into the kingdom and, you know, things like that. But when he was addressing things like Matthew 24, where it says, no man will know the day or the hour, that has nothing, that has absolutely nothing to do with the timing of the rapture, okay? If you believe that, you are already in the wrong place because what we are teaching in this class, which is correct, is called dispensationalism. God is working out in dispensations a a program of redemptive history, okay? The dispensation of the law is when Jesus was on the earth. He was there to fulfill the law. He was speaking to Israel under the law. Now, John is different. I'm talking about the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He is speaking to Israel under the law about Israel, okay? He's not including the Gentiles in any meaningful sense until after the resurrection. He's speaking about Israel, to Israel, under the law. And when he says something about no man will know the day or the hour, he's speaking about Israel in their last seven years under the law at the end after the church age, okay? This is the timeline. What Jesus says has zero, zero to do with the rapture. Likewise, people will go to the book of Revelation and they will start taking things in Revelation and saying, uh, I, I don't want to get too far ahead. I said I wasn't going to talk about 2 Thessalonians 2 other than a general thing. But they will take things out of Revelation and they'll say, and I get this all the time, probably 80 emails a year. Somebody will send me an email and they'll say, we're now in the sixth seal of Revelation. We're now in the third seal of Revelation. They think we're living in the, the tribulation period right now. Okay, We're not. Okay, Revelation has nothing to do with the rapture or the sequence of the church at all. Zero. With the exception of Revelation 1 through 3, it's addressed to the churches, okay? This is how you are to live during the church age, okay? From there, Revelation 4 verse 1 says, I saw a door open in heaven and a voice said, come up here. And immediately I was in the spirit. That is, whether people say it or not, that is a picture of the rapture of the church. The church is now gone, okay? Revelation 1 through 3 addresses the church like and this may be a little of an exaggeration, but not much, like seven billion times, okay, in Revelation 1 through 3. Revelation 4, 1, Paul or John is called up, and after that, from Revelation 4, 2, until Revelation 19, 10, the church is mentioned how many times? Zero. Zero. It is never mentioned. If you believe that you are in the tribulation period right now, you are wrong. Or you it has raptured. Yeah, or you missed the rapture, that's right. It, it has nothing to do with it. Paul revealed the mystery of the rapture to the people of Thessalonica in 
his writings, okay? While he was in Corinth, he also addressed parts of that matter to the people at Corinth. Behold, I show you a mystery. He's now repeating what he had just said, basically, to the people at Thessalonica, okay? So you have Paul revealing the mystery that had never been revealed before, ever. Jesus did not reveal the rapture because it was a mystery. A mystery is now undone, okay, Un unveiled in Paul's writings or his speaking to these people and then writing it down. Okay, now, having said that, having said that the, the rapture was detailed by Paul, okay, that was about 30 years after Jesus' ministry. He ascended and some 30 years later, Paul gave us the information on the rapture, okay? It wasn't Jesus, and nothing he said had to do anything with it. We get our rapture doctrine, not from the epistle of John. He gave us three epistles. We don't give, get them from Peter. We don't get them from Jude. We don't get them from the book of Hebrews or the book of Revelation. There is one source for the doctrine of the rapture. It is Paul, the Apostle Paul. He gives us what occurs during the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 15. He gives us the uh, uh the the event what did i just say okay 1 corinthians 15 thank you okay and then he gives us the details of the rapture itself in 1 thessalonians 4 and he will go into 5 and we'll see some of the talk about that and then he gives the actual timeline of the events that lead up to the tribulation period including the taking away of the church in i said it once already 2 thessalonians chapter Two, okay? So, 2 Thessalonians 2. That is it. Paul is where the rapture doctrine is because Paul is the uh, apostle to the, the Gentiles. Yes, there are Jews within the church, but it is a Gentile-led church. That's If you follow the book of Acts, you will see that very clearly. Okay, having said that, there are typological representations of the rapture in the Old Testament. They're very clear. I just listened to one a couple days ago. I'm going through the Bible again. I'm in Genesis chapter 18, and I'm enjoying 18 and 19, where Lot is in Sodom, and there's a picture of the rapture there. It's very clear when you know what is being said, okay? Um, then you get into the book of Ruth, there's one. You get into the book of Exodus with Moses, there's one, okay? And then we have another one in the book of Joshua that's not included in the sermon I did on Old Testament types because we hadn't yet been in Joshua. But in Joshua, if you want to watch it, it is in the uh, sermon entitled The Borders of Zebulun. Just go to uh, Superior Word, type in Superior Word, and say, um, Joshua, The Borders of Zebulun. You can watch that rapture sermon. It's very clearly detailed there. As a matter of fact, it's astonishingly detailed there. It's so astonishing that when I started, I didn't expect it. And I, I saw what was coming out, and I said, it can't be that. I actually tried to dismiss the fact that the rapture could be in the book of Joshua, but there it is. Okay, it's very clear when you see it. So, having said that there are types and shadows in the Old Testament, the rapture doctrine is presented by Paul, it is completed by Paul. The only thing that you will see other than that is John's note of him, because he's a member of the church age, going up. That is it, okay? So, if you believe that the, the uh, day of the Lord has come, you are wrong. Go read 2 Thessalonians 2 very carefully, and you will see how wrong you are, okay? Uh, that's it. The rapture is a pre-tribulation event. I feel bad because somebody was here at the church on Sunday, and she is preparing for the tribulation period. 
she's preparing for getting the mark of the beast. I mean, not getting it, but, you know, it believes that she's going to have to deal with that issue. And I send her the information and she can either assimilate it and agree with it or she won't. That's fine. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect my sleep at all, but it affects my heart for people that are deceived into believing that they must face what 2 Thessalonians 2 clearly says we will never, as Christians, face. I'm talking about Christians of the church. You will never face that, okay? Now, if I'm wrong, you haven't lost anything. But I can assure you, because of Paul's words in 2 Thessalonians 2, that I am correct on this. You don't have to worry about this issue at all. Um, maybe we'll read it later if we come to the end of a verse, and uh, there's just, you know, we don't have enough time to do a whole verse. I'll just read you very quickly, and then we'll go through it when we get to 2 Thessalonians. But the rapture is a very, very serious doctrine because people's faith is harmed by how people handle it. How people, uh, and, and in 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul actually says, didn't you pay attention? Don't believe anybody as if it's a letter from me or whatever. He's very clear in what he says. Be aware of what I'm telling you. And yet 2,000 years later, people are unaware of what Paul has detailed in there. He gave us the rapture doctrine. He described the rapture doctrine. He gives the uh, the timeline of it, and that is that. Okay. Why don't That's, you read? Uh, uh, well, I, I might. Like I said, if we get to the end of a verse and we don't have the time for another, I will read sure. it. Sure. But we're in uh, one Thessalonians now, and we're. In, if I start reading it right now, I'll be, that's all I'll talk about yeah. today. And I don't want to do that. So I want to get 1 Thessalonians right. done eventually. So uh, 4.18. And okay. start wherever you want. I'm going to start at 13. Oh, good. So That's get great. a good warm-up with uh, what might come at the end of the uh, Okay. Class. Now, while he's reading this, and he's going to read it loud enough so you all can hear, not this, okay? Not this. This. So I'm going to turn around, and you go ahead and read that. Okay. <laughs> Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again so that we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. 16, which is where we would start. Uh, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Go ahead, 17, because we're in 18. Okay. Are we? Yeah, last verse. Okay, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we will be with the Lord forever. 18. 18. Therefore, go ahead. Encourage each other with these words. Okay, I was just uh, accused of being gracho, but I don't have my cigar, so. <laughs> okay, um, and Arlene, thank you for this. This is precious. Thank you. All right, um, verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. There you go, same thing. All right, so here we'll read that. We'll get into it, and we'll just, we'll see if we can read 2 Thessalonians 2 tonight. It's very simple. I don't know how people can get this wrong. I, I don't, but they do. It, it's, it, the reason why is because people want to cling to their own deeds, I'm certain that's what it is. It's the same with everything. People cannot let go of themselves. They can't just trust Jesus. And so 
you know what, we're, we're going to go into part of the tribulation period. I'm going to prove that I'm a good Christian. Um, somebody came up with a great analogy one time. Um, I may blow this, but um, if we have to endure the tribulation period, then it's only right that the Lord would bring everybody that has died before the tribulation period back to life so that they have to go through it. Right. 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 I, it, there's, there's just no consistency in thinking in some people. Anyway, um, uh, I feel so bad for people that believe that they have to somehow merit their their favor in the Lord's eyes. We are saved by grace. We will be taken out of here by grace. It is the Lord's effort all the way through. All we have to do is just believe and accept what Paul has written. That's all we have to do. Okay, um, therefore, is given to sum up the words of verse, verses 13 through 17, which Jim just read. They respond directly to the words, lest you sorrow as the others who have no hope, which are found in verse 13. Where there is no hope apart from Jesus Christ, there is total assurance in Christ. When a Christian is properly instructed in what Paul has said, there may be grieving in the pain of separation, but the grounded believer will not grieve with the sorrow of the sense of total loss. Okay, I talked about that with a couple people this past week that have lost people in their lives, and this and yeah, I. Burke and I talked about that last week as well. I think it was last week. Maybe it was today. I don't think so. But, we, you know, if his son doesn't make it through this cancer, that is going to be a calamity on him, on his wife, and on the family. And yet, because of Jesus Christ and his son's knowledge of and faith in Jesus, it is not the end of the story. We grieve in our hearts because we lose someone we love. We will no longer have that, that presence with us. And I will not try to make it and equate anything like this, a dog or a car or anything to a human being. But if you think about your favorite car, you've had it for 35 years, you've taken care of it, and all of a sudden it gets ruined, you have a sense of loss in your life. You've got a dog or a cat that you just cherish. And when it's gone, you have a sense of loss in your life. How much more Will you feel that when a human being that you have known your whole life or their whole life dies, that you are allowed to grieve? You're allowed to do that. But it's not like the loss of the world where they think this is it. That's the end of them and I have my memory and that's it. Okay, That is not what it's like in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Our hope in Jesus transcends this physical body. It transcends the separation that we will face. If we live long enough, we're all going to lose somebody, okay? In the church here, we've had a couple people die. And when you hear it, it's almost like your, your, your day, your life, everything is upheaved suddenly. I remember the day Kelly Carlin died, and I announced it to the church, and everybody was shocked. You know, this is a girl I grew up with. We were in high school together. She was always in this church always. She missed two services in all the years she was with us, and that was to go downtown to Sarasota uh, Military Academy to watch her daughter march in a parade, because her daughter graduated from the Military Academy. Okay, She never missed church. And then she was gone. Suddenly, before she hit the ground, she was dead from a brain hemorrhage. And everybody here was shocked. How could somebody so young be gone from us? We understand that. We all grieved in our own way because of that. But I don't think anybody felt the sense of total separation and loss that the world throws at you. Because we know that we're going to see her again, you know? 
It was it was just something that happened and it's something that we have to endure, but it will have an end and it will have a good end when the Lord comes for us. So we, we want to remember that. Um, uh, there's total assurance in Christ. When a Christian is properly instructed in what Paul has said, there may be grieving in the pain of separation, but the grounded believer will not grieve with the sorrow uh, with sorrow of the sense of total loss. That's not going to happen. Now, I've got family members that are not saved, and if they die, I will feel total loss in their lives. Total. And I, I mourn over that, but there's nothing I can do about that. I can't beat it into their heads. They're, I just have to be the example I am and hope that someday they'll say, I want what Charlie has. And if it means the rapture, where they see that we're gone and understands and he or she makes a commitment to the Lord after that, that so be it. But I just, you know, that the, the sense of total loss of someone is something that I don't know how, you know, the world deals with those things. But you know, we're humans and we have to. Uh, there will be, when somebody dies, a Christian, no lingering question as to what has become of their lost one in Christ. Rather, there will be a sense of surety that death is defeated. Paul says it explicitly. Death is defeated. Let me take you there. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, okay? And he says here, um, uh, this is, once again, this is Paul in the rapture verse uh, chapter. He also talks about death and life. And he says, um, uh, I'll just take you down really quickly to verse 54. He's talking about the rapture. He's talking about our physical bodies. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then we shall be, uh, then it shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now, this is why we can be raptured. It's because Jesus Christ died in fulfillment of the law. When we are in Christ, we are no longer under law, but under grace. grace. We are now given grace. We are no longer being imputed sin, and that means that we can be raptured because there is no sin in us, okay? We are no longer imputed sin, okay? That doesn't mean that we don't sin. Everybody here will probably admit, yes, I sin every day of my life, sometimes a hundred times a day, but we are no longer imputed the sin. We are no longer uh, in a position where we can lose our salvation. Uh, Burke sent me something today. How wonderful was that? Um, it was the uh, analysis of one John something. Yeah. And uh, one of the words in there, I, I wish I had saved that for the Bible study. Uh, I'm not going to spend the time on it. But one of the words in there, uh, the way that it is written is in the um, uh, completed sense, the uh, perfect tense in the Greek. And uh, did you get my response? Have you read that yet? So much for the doctrine of you can lose your salvation. It is done, and it continues done forever. It was a wonderful commentary. It was just great. Anyway, I'm not going to, I could get it out of the, uh, the thing, but I'm not going to do that. But just so you know, we have this absolute assurance in Christ. Absolute, okay? We don't need to worry if we're not going to see this person again. Uh, we can mourn for the rest of our lives over not being with that person, but we should not mourn in the sense that we have total loss. Okay, uh, that's the point of this. 
All right. Um, well, that guy today you read about with his wife who died at his youth. Hey, absolutely. That, what they read was just like perfect. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're just here temporarily. Temporary. You know, just, just got He's you. perfecting you. You're perfected and you're going to be raised beautiful. I don't remember the exact I words I used, but, but it, it was, was very nicely he said. He caught it. Yep. Rather, there will be a sense of surety that death is defeated, which I just read you, and that the time of separation will come to a happy end. This is why he finishes the thought with comfort one another with these words. Actually, Young's literal translation gives the correct sense by following the Greek, which says, in these words. It is an admonition to us from Paul that we should repeat the words Paul has written when the need arises. Comfort one another in these words. In them comfort is to be found. The grieving soul can immerse himself in them as if in a blanket of assurance. Okay, that's our hope. Now, he has just said that after the rapture verses because he is telling us that the people were wondering. We'll go back to why he wrote that in the first place. The people had a question with him. What is going to happen because we're still alive and the Lord's going to come and these people have died? What about them? And he has spent all of this time saying, don't worry. God has got your back. He's got their back. He is going to take care of them because he is going to raise them first mm -hmm. and we're going to meet with them in the clouds, okay? Or as clouds, as mm -hmm. Albert Barnes said, it very well could be. Doesn't matter. The point is made. We are going to be raised together with these people. They are not lost. They are safe and secure with Christ. They are going to be raised. We are going to be changed. We're not going to die and then suddenly be brought back sometime. We are going to be changed in an instant in the twinkling of an eye. Now, the reason why I'm harping on that, which comes from 1 Corinthians 15, is because, and I may have said this last week, or I may have just thought it, because people say the dumbest things. Um, uh, I did that rapture video a couple, maybe a year and a half ago, which I'll do again eventually, um, on a Sunday morning instead of a prophecy update. But I did it, and somebody's comment was, 1 Corinthians 15 isn't speaking of the rapture, okay? Only 1 Thessalonians four is, okay? And I thought, how could you make such a huge error? The reason why is because they want to deny a pre-tribulation rapture. Right. They want to work their way to God's favor. They don't want to trust that God is taking care of it for them. That's why. Anyway, so that's why I keep harping on this. Paul, within a very short amount of time, had left Thessalonica. And now he is writing to them saying, don't you remember these things? Don't you remember these things? And at the same time, he's later writing to the Corinthians about, you know, what he is talking about in 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, so this is all, all on Paul's mind, and it is all one missionary journey. Okay, it's one time that Paul is dealing with this issue. He doesn't need to deal with it 15 times. He gives you the information. He reminds them of the timeline, and he says, this is it. So, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians are a whole. I told you this, I told you this, I told you this, don't you remember? And then 1 Corinthians, the book, but 1 Corinthians 15 is also based on his time in that missionary journey. He's writing these letters and he, you know, the whole thing is just, that when you look at it from the context of the book of Acts in their travels, it's very clear that he is speaking about a single event, okay? But he's just giving you more information because people come up with questions and they need to be resolved. And none of this is surprising to God. 
God knew that these questions would be proposed to Paul, and God knew that Paul would write these words. They are inspired of the Holy Spirit. He is giving us exactly what we need to know for our end times doctrine. So if anybody ever tries to teach you that you are not going to go out in a pre-tribulation rapture, I would just suggest that you don't argue with them. Just ignore them, okay? They've got it in their minds that they are going to earn their way to heaven. That's what they want to do. That's fine. But they are entirely incorrect in what they are teaching you, entirely. If anybody, and this is the first thing I do when I get something from somebody on a rapture. I get a video or I get a, a commentary. The very first thing I do is I see, is Matthew mentioned anywhere in there? If I do, I immediately send it back and I say, I'm not going to read this. This is mixing dispensations. It is a waste of time. I'll have nothing to do with it because I know where that, that analysis is now going. Okay, if it includes Matthew, which is the dispensation of the law, they already don't know what they're talking about, right. and I don't bother with it. So, uh, it, and it saves me a lot of time doing that because um, uh, no, we didn't go through that with it. No, I thought Sergio and I went with something with somebody, and there was uh, speaking of Matthew, but it was a different context. So, okay. Um, anyway, life application. The closing paragraph of one Thessalonians four is one of hope and one of comfort. Even if we do not memorize the verses, we should memorize where they can be found. All people will inevitably face the loss of death, and for the believer in Christ, they will need a reminder that death is not the end of their lost love, who is also in Christ. However, we need to never give a false hope, and that's why I said this, I know I said this within the past couple weeks, one of the things that I find the hardest to do on the face of the planet is a funeral for somebody that didn't believe in Jesus. I've done a lot of them, and I never give a false sense of hope. You will never hear me say, he's in a better place now. I won't do that. If somebody asks me to do it, I tell them in advance, I want you to know I will eulogize them, I'll speak well of them, whatever you want me to say, but I am not going to give a false hope about that person. He failed to come to Christ in his life, and it's very hard to do, I gotta tell you what. To speak well of somebody and at the same time not talk about where they're at right now just to ruin everybody's life, it's a hard thing to do. Imagine, you know. However, we need to never give a false hope. These words are not to be passed on when the dead was not a follower in Christ. They do not belong to that person. We are to stand firm on the truth that only those in Christ will be included in Paul's words concerning the rapture and our gathering together with him. Nobody else is to be included in that. That's just the way it is. And, you know, I, like I said, I've been asked many, many times to uh, speak at funerals, and I always have to find out, did they know the Lord? And if not, I tell them, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about them being in a better place or singing with the angels or any of that kind of stuff. That's not going to happen. Anyway. Would I, you have an issue with, with, with reciting what it was about coming to Christ and Saying, not saying one way or the other whether or not that person believed or not, but for everyone oh, else. Oh, absolutely! Room, I do that. I, and I, that's another thing I tell people. If I'm going to do a uh, uh, funeral for this person, I am going to give the gospel. And if they don't agree to that, I'm not doing that funeral. I'm going to give the gospel. There is hope in Jesus Christ, and I may talk around the person that I know didn't know Jesus. I'll just talk about Jesus. And I'll just not even include that in there. I'll just talk around, it and the people can believe whatever they want. Right. But I am not going to give a uh, funeral and not present to people what the point of our life is. Right. 
right. that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I always try to do that, and then you know they can say, "Oh yeah, I knew John was a Christian" or something. That that's up to them. Yeah. They can make whatever uh, conclusion they want about their friend who is now passed by. But I'm not going to ever say if I don't know for certain, you know. And you know, like somebody like Kelly. I'm certain that she knew the Lord, oh, and I, I will. I will say, yeah, exactly. I will say that during a sermon. But in actuality, Charlie Garrett doesn't know if Kelly Carlin was saved or well, not. All I can do is go by her life, her actions, and her conversation. But in the end, only you know if you are a believer in the Lord or not. Okay. I would assume that the people in this church, having heard the gospel every single Sunday for eons has accepted the gospel. Why would you keep coming back to church if you didn't, you know, whatever. But I, I, I'm not the one to decide that. Only you and the Lord know if you are truly saved, okay? And if you're saved, you know, I understand people go through questions about, I wonder if I've offended the Lord so much today that I've lost my salvation. And I will harp on that until the day I die. No, absolutely not. You may have offended the Lord. You may have really upset him but you are an adopted child of God. It's done. It is finished, okay? He has accepted you. He did not make a mistake. He's not going to unaccept you and prove that he's not the God of the universe because he made a mistake by accepting you in the first place. That's not going to happen, okay? Believe what you want on that, but you're not gonna change my thinking on that one iota. I understand the nature of God. I understand the nature of his decrees. They are eternal. That means they are not finite. They are infinite. They do not ever change. When God makes a decree, look at Israel if you don't believe that. Okay, he has promised to save them. I, I'm not going to say who, but somebody uh, uh, told me that uh, one of his friends was reading the book of Revelation. And he came to the conclusion that the Jews are still God's people. And the church hasn't replaced them. And I thought... How wonderful, because this is a Christian. Somebody has been a Christian a long, long time, and he's obviously been in a church where, where it was taught otherwise. That's the only thing I can think, but this person reading Revelation said, God is not done with the Jews. Now imagine that, because we got people that read Revelation all the time, and oh, the Jews are out, okay? It, I, I'm so glad that people read the Bible and take time to think through what it says. Now, if that is true, with all of the disobedience that they have gone through, literally nailing their Lord to the cross and rejecting him for 2,000 years, and yet he's not through with them, that ought to tell you something about the nature and character of God, okay? And the surety of your And the salvation. surety of your salvation. Okay, we're in 5-1. John. Yes. You, you mentioned there about the, the, the last verse and the, there, that you, if you don't know the verse, you know where it's found. Yes. I've said that probably for 45 years. Good for you. That, that is great. That's important. And, 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 and if you're talking to an unsaved person, get them in Romans 3. That's right. Eight, you know, 10. That's right. You know, know where it is. What book to get in. That's, as long as you know the general area of where it is, you will find it with your eyes very quickly. Okay? That is an important thing. Yes? You mentioned No, no, not at all. Okay. I, I was certain of it. I, I'm certain of it. And, uh, you know, but even if I had asked her, are you saved? Are you sure? Right. I, she, she'd say yes, and I'm still not the arbiter of that. You know, people say things all the time. Uh, of course I'm saved. You know, I'll tell you one thing I know, is that if you go out to, uh, like I work at 7-Eleven, 
okay? And I come across a lot of homeless people. They sleep in the woods right between 7-Eleven and the mall next to it, or they sleep in the woods back a little further that I have to keep like clear me. once a year. What's that? They look a lot like Oh, yeah, they look a lot like me. That's right. <laughs> uh, they, they sleep under the stairs at the mall. I, I get homeless people there all the time. Every one of them claims they are saved. Every one of them. It doesn't matter if they're sitting there shooting drugs into their arms when I walk by. Yeah, I know Jesus. So, And I'm not the one to say they are saved or they're not. All I can do is tell them Jesus can save you. I can't be the one to change their heart. If they say they're saved, I can't go any further. Uh, Tom and I were talking about that one time. Somebody says, well, I'm saved, and where do I go with that? You can't go anywhere. All you can do is keep being who you are, and if they really aren't saved, then maybe they will want to be saved because they see what you have. But you can't go anywhere with it. That, How do you that's know a, that? Huh? Well, yeah, I know. You can ask them that, and they all know. Every one of these homeless people has been around a lot of other homeless people, and they will say, oh, yeah, Jesus, blah, 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 blah. And you don't know if they really believe it or not, but they know exactly what to say. I don't know if they're looking for a free meal. or I have no idea. You can't go beyond somebody's claim of knowing Jesus. That's between them and the Lord. You can't do it. Charlie, yes. for the sake, I mean, I'm going to ask for me because I'm certain, but somebody's watching this and they say, well, how do I know I'm saved? What right. scripture would you give them? 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. That's what I would give. I say it every single Sunday at the end of the sermon. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Jesus Christ was buried. Jesus Christ rose again. This is the gospel that I preach and that you believed. That's what Paul says. He doesn't add anything to it. If you believe that Christ died for your sins, if you believe that he was buried, meaning he was really dead with your sins, and you believe that he rose again, you will be saved. That is all. That is the gospel. None of this, you got to repent. It, the way they use the term repent. Repent means to change your mind. They start saying, well, you have to repent of your sin. It doesn't say that. You believe this gospel and then you get fixed. You don't fix yourself and then come to the doctor. You go to the doctor and he fixes you. Okay? People get everything backwards. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. This is what Christ did. Now, sometimes if I'm talking to somebody about Jesus, I may talk to them for 30 minutes but I give them the simple gospel during that talk. You don't have to just say, this is it. They may need an explanation. They might not even know who Jesus is. So when my friends down at the Thai restaurant, they'd never even heard of Jesus except one of their sons was saved. He, he had called on Jesus and she said, I don't understand this. I said, you and Joe come over to the house. They came over and I probably spent 35 or 40 minutes taking them from the very beginning through the selection of Israel through the time of the law explaining why he did these things because they need to understand this they need to have a grasp of who jesus is and what that means to them and i said and god has now proven what he has done in fulfillment of the law by dying in fulfillment of it and coming back to life and they got it as a matter of fact and i don't mean to put joe down but we'll just say that Nan is a lot smarter than joe okay we'll just say that and leave it at that they're sitting there and i said okay his father, his mother is a human being. What does that make them? And they both agree, oh, he's a human. And I said, and his father is God. What does that make him? He stood up, this guy that, she's way smarter than him, we'll just say that. He stood up and he said, he's the God man. He got it. But he needed to understand that because they, they had no comprehension of who Jesus is. And I don't want to give a false Jesus. The Jehovah's Witness will come and say, well, Jesus isn't God. Now you've believed in a false Jesus. 
He can't save anything. He's a created being. You see, you can't present a false Jesus and give a true gospel and have it work. So I wanted them to methodically understand the process of what God did because they had no comprehension of Christianity at all. Zero. Most people know about circumcision. They know about Abraham or they know about Moses. I mean, they, they, they have these things they kind of know about. And you don't need to get into the detail. But I wanted them to understand everything from a very simple point of view. But I gave them 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. I said, can you believe that? And they said, yes, we accept that. And I said, well, let's have a prayer together. It was the nicest moment in my life because they've been my friends for years and years and years. Okay. I think, yeah, I thought you were going to quote maybe Romans. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Okay. That's fine too. You can do that. But the simple gospel, the simple gospel, Romans is a part of the process. The gospel itself is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. As long as you get that information, then you say, you call on the name of the Lord. But who is the Lord? Right. The Lord right. is Jehovah. It's not speaking about Jesus in some ethereal sense. You call on the name of the Lord, Jesus. He is God incarnate, and that's why they need to have the right Jesus. That is a part of the process. The gospel is that this God-man went into the grave with your sins. That, okay, very simple, but it's an important point. So I'm glad you asked that. Burke's got another question. He's got another comment. They've got to know that they're sinners. That's right. But, but that's taken care of in the first part of the equation. Christ died for your sins. And I always tell them that means that you are a sinner and you are accepting that. I always let them know that because some people just don't think through that part of it. And so I do what I do every Sunday. Christ died for your sins, meaning you're a sinner. Christ was buried, meaning he was buried with your sins. Christ rose again, meaning he had no sin of his own or he'd still be in the grave. And your sin remained in the grave because if not, he wouldn't have come out of the grave. Both of those have to be true for it to be the gospel. And so, But people don't think that through. And so I want to explain it. But that is the simple gospel. Okay, so. What? No, there is not one righteous. And uh, you bore one that was definitely not righteous. There's a lie. Yeah. Um, okay, we got to go on. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, five verse one. 1. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Okay, well, that was 1 and 2, but that's okay. Um, uh, yeah, it was. Look at that. Yeah, huh. that's all right. Um, uh, you were on a roll, and I didn't I want to was. stop you. So. It was just like okay. exciting, so I'm sorry. Uh, now, concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Okay, he already talked to him about it. So he, does, he doesn't even need to write it, but he is writing it anyway because God inspired him to put this in writing because how easily is it for us to mess things up? So he's writing it anyway. I don't need to write you this, but I'm going to. Question, where is the term, the times and the seasons, written apart from Paul? Genesis. No, no, no. Times and the seasons. The phrase times and the seasons. Okay, I'm going to take you there because it's really important. Anybody? Did somebody just say? No, but you're close. No. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, give, I'm going to give you a clue. It begins with A and ends with S and has in the middle. Revelation. Uh, no. Acts 1, 7, and 8. That is correct. So we're... There's a commentary. Oh, okay. Well, there. She's got a note on her... Well, that's, that's good. You got a little note that refers you there, and that's fine. Okay. Now, this is important because this 
will now dispel the heresy, a, a literal heresy that's taught in the church, known as hyperdispensationalism. Hyperdispensationalism says that the church started with Paul, okay, it didn't start with the uh, giving of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, that the Gentiles are saved differently than Jews, mm -hmm. that revelation is only for the Jews, it has nothing to do with the church. It's a very, very convoluted system, but the reason why it is a heresy is because they divide the gospel into two entities, Jew and Gentile, and it makes it a heresy. So if you ever hear somebody teaching that the church started with Paul, you already know they've gone down the wrong path. Doesn't mean these people aren't saved, but it means that they are now teaching something that will keep the next person from being saved by saying that Jews are saved. Sergio, how were you saved? What did you, what, what, what brought you to salvation? Okay, before, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and believing in he believed that yeah. Christ died for his sins. Okay, that's not the same as Jim. See, there's a different gospel. It's exactly the same. These people are, I better anti -Semites. not say it. Well, they're anti-Semites. I was going to use a bad word. Not a bad word, but I was going to say something mean about them. Okay, here, here we go. Here we go. This is one of the things I want you to know, that when somebody says, we can know the rapture, I can listen to somebody on YouTube, and this person is going to know the rapture. Anyway, I'm going to get ready for it. I'm going to pack my bags, and I'm going to be ready. Okay, people have been doing this since the very beginning. It really got going about the 1850s. The Millerites and these people started predicting the rapture, and ever since then, somebody's predicted the rapture every day since then. So somebody's eventually going to be right, just by luck. Okay, but the fact is that... Jesus says these words in Acts 1-7. I'll start in uh, 4. Oh, I'm sorry, I'll start in 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The kingdom to Israel. Is he speaking about the church? No. No. He's speaking about the kingdom to Israel. A literal kingdom in Israel, David sitting on the throne, which was prophesied back in the Old Testament, my servant David, right? It's, it says right there explicitly. This is their question after having been with him, having walked with him, having listened to him for 40 days after his resurrection. They asked him that question. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They knew that it would happen. They knew that this was something that he had spoken to them about a.k.a. Matthew 24, etc., etc. It has nothing to do with the rapture. Nothing. The kingdom to Israel. Okay. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put under his own authority. And then he says, You're going to be given power, the Holy Spirit. You go out and you get the church going. And they had no idea. Paul had no idea. None of these people had any idea that this was going to go on for 2,000 years. They're thinking of the kingdom to Israel. He said, go out and get to work. Yes. They knew that he had said, you're going to sit on these thrones. That's right. You're going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They knew this. And this is what they thought was coming. They had no idea at all about any of the church-related stuff. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Now, that doesn't mean that the church isn't included in that. They're just not to know the times 
in the seasons. The kingdom to Israel presupposes that it is after the church, right? right. Because he just said that. So it actually includes the church in it. You are not to know the times or the seasons, and that includes what I'm now telling you to do. Go out and do all the things that I told you to do. All right, here we go. 1 Thessalonians 5.1, but concerning the times and the seasons. Jesus just said, you are not going to know the times or the seasons. He just told them that, that I read to you. Do you think that Jesus is a liar? Anybody here? Okay, we are not going to know what? The times or the seasons. And that means the rapture. It means the tribulation period. It means the day of the Lord, the coming of Jesus, the millennial kingdom. Those things are going to happen when they happen. And we are not going to know the times or the seasons. Does everybody get that? If you ever see somebody predicting the rapture, don't waste your time. If you ever see somebody say, we are in the tribulation period, we are in the tribulation period, we're at the sixth seal. Don't listen to them. You are wasting your time. And you're, I hate to say it, but you are wasting my time when you send me those stupid videos. You're wasting all of our time. Because he says you will not know the times or the seasons. Or the seasons. So Charlie, just a question. When he says uh, restore the kingdom to Israel, they mean like the millennial The millennial reign. kingdom. Okay. A literal kingdom. A literal reign. Yeah. That is what they're looking for. That is what they were looking for. Because he, as Burke said, they promised that to them. He promised that to them. Okay, so concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. There we go. Here's the Once again, if you believe that the people that are predicting the rapture that you listen to day after day and you tickle your ears with those things are informing you at all, one, you're wasting your time, and two, you are deceived. These are people that are profiting off of your lack of study in the Bible. That's all they're doing. They're profiting off of your lack of study. You're believing Jesus' words. You know, you can present that, those words of Jesus to people, and they, that doesn't mean what it means. Because they want to have their ears tickled. Yep. If I want 500,000 views on this video today, I could put in, Pastor predicts the rapture. And I just give a day at the end of this class, and I guarantee you, within five months, it'll be a 500,000 or... Well, I can do graphics. Yeah, you can do graphics and make it... We'll get a million views. Oh, it's great. And then I'll set up a Patreon, and people can start sending money to Patreon. This is great. That's a great idea. September 19th. Okay, September 19th, rapture. Okay, and I'll put that in there. I'm on vacation then. Oh, he's on... We don't want the rapture then because he's on vacation. You see how stupid this is? Okay. Just learn doctrine. Live your life for Jesus and live your life telling people about Jesus. Giving them proper doctrine so they're not fooled by people with an intent like that. Here we go. Paul now enters into Jesus' equivalent of Matthew 24, 36. What Jesus was referring to was specifically dealing with Israel's prophetic events. Okay? Thank you, Thor. Have a great night. Your daddy loves you. Oh, come here. Come here. No, no, no. Come here. These people are going to want to know this. Come here. Make it quick because we're in the middle of a class and there's people online watching. I missed something last Sunday. I, I completely missed it. He has been married for two years as of last Sunday. Congratulations. Yay. Good job, Thor. Tell Faith we love her, okay? 
I completely, he called me up and he said, well, you didn't, didn't, and I'm like, You didn't what? make a fool of me in public. Yeah. Like he usually oh. did. So I've just made myself a fool in public because I forgot my son. But you know what? On our second, on our first anniversary, I did remember it. I got her a skateboard. <laughs> on our second anniversary, and we got married on June 28th, on our second anniversary, I said, I forgot our anniversary, and it was September. So, oh yeah, I kind of blew that one, okay? And yet she's stuck with me now for 39 years. A couple more days, a couple more days, and we're going to be married for uh, 39 years. Okay, yeah, she, I'm not dead yet. Believe it. Okay, Paul now enters into Jesus' equivalent of Matthew 24, 36. Uh, what Jesus was referring to was specifically dealing with Israel's future prophetic events. Matthew 24, Israel is the audience they are under the law. They will reject Jesus. They have seven more years under the law. Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Everybody got that? Okay. There are seven more years of law for Israel. Doesn't mean that the law is going to save anybody. It means that they are given that time to come to Christ. Okay, that's explicit. Daniel 24, uh, Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Okay, Paul is now addressing this. Okay. What Jesus was referring to was specifically dealing with Israel's future prophetic events. The church was not yet formed. Christ hadn't died for anybody since. He hadn't been resurrected. He didn't tell them, go and baptize in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say none of that. That all came on, he established the new covenant in his blood and things took on a new direction. There was an old covenant, now there's a new covenant. Everybody got that? The new covenant supersedes the old. Gentiles are brought into the commonwealth of Israel. They don't replace Israel. Israel is Israel. The covenant was made to them. Jeremiah 31, 31. I behold, I make a covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. That is who the covenant is made with. It's not made with you and you and me. It's made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. We are grafted into that. We don't supplant them. Okay, I wish people would just think that through. It's so clear if you just look at it. The covenant is made with Israel. We are brought in. What does he say in Isaiah? Yet it is too small a thing that I will bring back to me the house of Jacob. I will also gather the Gentiles. I, I, I know I'm misquoting that, but it's Isaiah 45. Let me read it to you. Uh, Isaiah 45 something. Give me a second here. Um, while, you, while you're looking for that, you said something that was interesting. The last seven years are left for what? For the... For to bring them into the covenant. So the they will covenant. be brought into the new covenant. Saved. They will be saved. That Why is correct. Why would you have people who are already saved absolutely about with people that have yet to be saved that needed to be saved? That so. is absolutely right. They need to be saved. And it's for Israel. Okay, um, I, I said 45, but I'm not seeing it, so maybe it's 54 or something. I'm not going to spend all day on it. Um, but he says, um, uh, if you have a search, just type in the word Gentile and in Isaiah and it'll pull up about four verses, and uh, one of them will uh, uh, be the one where he says, it is too small of a thing for, uh, for uh, me to only bring back the um, sons of Israel. I will bring the Gentiles as well. And it's funny because I've got this coming up in a sermon, and I think I gave it in the sermon a couple weeks ago as well, maybe even last Sunday, but I'm not getting the, uh, my brain is not engaging. If you find the word Gentile and... Uh, um, God beside me, Noah. Okay, I'm not seeing it. Anyway, I'd love to read that to you so you know that I'm not just making it up. But 
I've obviously got the wrong uh, chapter in my head and I'm not seeing it. I'm not going to uh, spend all day on it, but I will look a little more and okay, I'm not seeing it. If you find the word Gentile, just look for that. It is too small of a thing, blah, 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 and then I'll, you can read that nice and loud. But for now, we'll go on. Um, uh, the church was not yet formed. The Gentiles were not yet being addressed. His words of Matthew 24, oh, I said this earlier. I'm going to say it again. Here we go. Have nothing to do with the church. However, Paul's words do. He is writing what is considered doctrine for those in the church. Okay? This introductory verse was written to eliminate any false ideas about church events which had already been claimed and which Paul had to re-correct them on in his second epistle, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4. That's what I've been talking about. Those are the verses that we're specifically dealing with. The timing of these events are and will remain unknown until they come to pass. If you disagree with that, if you believe that there's some fruitcake out there that you follow on fruit on YouTube that says the rapture is going to happen on this day, you are calling Jesus a liar. That's what you're doing because he has said right there, you are not going to know these things, okay? Don't listen to these people. Get sound doctrine, all right? The timing of these events are and will remain unknown until they come to pass. They are things which the Bible states belong to God alone. It is pointless to make speculations about when they will occur because Paul clearly informs us that we are not in the know. That's right, oh man, God knows something that you don't. And he's not going to reveal it to somebody that has got his Patreon account set up on YouTube so you can send him money. You know, back in uh, 2018, was it, when this thing, the the stars and oh, everybody's yeah. predicting a September rapture okay and this one guy says the rapture is going to happen on September we'll just say September 18th everybody's believing this everybody it's just they're getting millions of views at this time no kidding charts all over the place and okay one guy says the rapture is happening it's like three weeks away now and then he says I hope that you can send me money because I need to send my kids through college. <laughs> no kidding. Right. Is college in heaven? You talk about somebody that has no connection with reality at all, and there were no millions, millions of views being watched of this guy. Every day, a new rapture video. Every day, it's coming, it's, and he's asking for money so he can raise his kids. At least the Millerites were honest enough to sell all their stuff and sit around waiting and it didn't happen. Now they don't have anything. But at least they... they uh, okay. And, and you know, the same people that watched those videos are watching videos five, six, seven years later again and again. Rapture, rapture, rapture. And it doesn't happen. And as Jesus said, it's like the dog that returns to its vomit. It's like the sow that returns to its wallow. I am going to speculate all day long on this this thing that God has said you're not to know these things. I wonder if it's addictive. Like in the, it is addictive. In the casino, you're thinking, next one, I'm going to... Next one, it. next one. But you know what? My logic is this. Sensation. Suppose you're right. What difference does it make? Right. <laughs> if you're not right, you have brought total disgrace on the name of Jesus, which they do every time they do this. People think they're all a bunch of kooks. And if you're right, you're not here to, to revel in it anyway. Oh, here's your prize for guessing the rapture. That's not going to happen, folks. 
Oh, I, I, I get angry. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so this introductory verse was uh, written to eliminate any false idea about church events which had already been claimed and which Paul had to recorrect them on in his second epistle. Okay, I said that. 2 Corinthians 1 through 4. 2 Corinthians, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4. Ah. Which you'll get to. Yes. The timing of these events are and will remain unknown until they come to pass. They are things which the Bible states belong to God alone. Okay, I've said all that. Next paragraph. And so to begin this section of his discourse, he says, but this is given to contrast what he has just laid out in the previous section, that of the resurrection and a rapture of the church, when we will be gathered together to meet the Lord in the air. A contrast means that the opposite of something, it is the opposite of something, okay? That's contrast. In this case, one, we know that there will be a rapture and the events which encompass it are laid out in scripture. We've read it, we know, okay. But, this is the but part. This but is next detailed with the words concerning the times and the seasons. This phrase is a Hebraism. The first word, times, is a word which carries the sense of time in a sequence, as in a succession of moments. What is this called? A chronometer, right? Chronos is the word. We're going in a sequence, chronos. It's the following through of time, okay? It is chronos. Think of chronology. A person has a time to be born, he has a time to graduate school, he has a time to be married, and all this time is moving on. Now, each one of those may be what we would call kairos, a moment in time. When the planes ran into the Twin Towers, everybody here remembers that. That became what we would call a moment of kairos. It is an event. It is something that we will always remember. It is a part of who we are. And those individual things are, but they are happening in the chronos, the chronology of time. Okay, a person has to be has a time to be born, he has a time to graduate, he has a time to be married, and he has a time to die. These events are ordained in a sequence, one following logically after another. The next word translated as seasons, here it is, is the word kairos. This word is more specific. It refers to things which come to their fullness, and thus they are the right moment. This is comparable to Jesus' words of Matthew 24 when he says the day and the hour, okay? There is a right moment. There is something that is out there. You're not going to know that day and the hour, but there is a day and the hour that God knows, okay? After saying this, he then says, brethren, Paul is speaking only to believers. Unbelievers have no part in the words of Paul's letters, with the exception of leading them to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Until that happens, the words do not pertain to them. They will not be included in the good things which have been prepared by God for his people. Next he says to these brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. The intent of his words is not that the information was useless or somehow superfluous. It was because he had already told them that the timing of the events was beyond the sphere of his instruction to the church. You're not going to get it from Jesus because Jesus was speaking to the Jews under the law about end times events pertaining to them. You're not going to get it from him. You're also not going to get it from him through inspiration because he said in Acts 1, 7, and 8, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons. So you're not going to get it from Jesus. Paul is saying, you're not going to get it from me. 
and you're not going to get it from anywhere else in the Bible as well. Everybody got that? It's not going to come. Okay. September 19th. It's what? September 19th. September 19th. That's what we're waiting for. Okay. We're going to put that on the video. A great graphic from you, and we're going to have 800,000 views. And as soon as they hear me saying you can't know, they'll click off. So it'll be a, a, a video that, you know, they tell you how many minutes people watch or if they skip through and all. You can, you can tell everything. Every country, how many people have watched it twice. You can know everything possible about a video. He likes that. I never look. He knows every stat of every video he's ever published. That would drive me crazy. I don't look at those things. As a matter of fact, Sergio was going to update it because you have to update it by uh, June 28th, I think, or some day. Well, no, there, yeah, there's a day when you have to do it, and if you don't, you lose all of that information. I said, I've never looked. I'm not going to look, so don't bother wasting your time helping me with it, okay? I don't care. I'm not here to be impressed by numbers. Now, he's got a different focus. He wants people to come to Jesus. You know, if they are willing to watch a video with a guy like me, they're either already knowing about Jesus or they're interested interested enough to overlook what I look like. Like Loretta was describing the, uh, last last week, she said basically that. Well, I'm, she said, I pulled up to the church and she said, well, I can always get out of there. <laughs> so, okay. But she's still here, so praise the Lord for that. Anyway, okay, those things don't interest me. Okay, but here we go. After saying this, he says, brethren, I said that. Next, he says, brethren, you have no need. Okay. Um, it was because he had already told them that the timing of the events was beyond the sphere of his instruction to the church. No Jesus, no Paul, nobody else. It ain't coming. It is natural for us to long for Jesus' return. And thus, that curiosity would then otherwise turn into idle speculation if he didn't quell it in his audience now, which is what he's hopefully doing, quelling it. So people don't spend the next 2,000 years speculating. But they don't want to read Paul. They want to predict. And so they don't heed the word of the Lord. Okay, And then they accuse you of being a bad Christian because you tell them that you can't know these things. And they say, we can know them because the guy on YouTube said so. No kidding. Okay, That's fine. Believe what you want. It is natural. I said that. Too bad we still don't pay heed. Instead, it is the duty of the church to concern ourselves with affairs of the church and not attempt to pry open the box of these future events, which the Father has, as Jesus said, put under his own authority. Acts 1-7. There Jesus spoke the same words which Paul now puts to paper with the flow of his ink. The coming verses will explain this in a way which rapture date setters will claim gives them the right and the knowledge to pry all they want. But exactly the opposite is true. Context matters, and the context is that we are to pay heed to Jesus' words of Acts 1-7 and connect them with Paul's words here. This, but, this, but, the times Season. and the seasons, we are not going to know. They belong to the Father alone. Okay, after doing this, we are to say, God is God, and I will not attempt to beat him to the punch. In 2005, I thought that I knew when the rapture was going to happen. I really did, because there was something in Scripture that was so incredible, and I wasn't, I, what I did, there was something that was coming up, and I said, if this is correct, then the Bible will give us a parallel, and it was there. It took a long time to find it. And it had nothing to do with the rapture. It actually had to do with 
the crucifixion of Jesus until the destruction of the temple in AD 70, 5 August of AD 70. Okay, I didn't know it at the time, but I thought oh, this has got to be the rapture. I can, I talked about it. when we went through the Numbers 11 sermon, I gave that information. And when we got to Joshua chapter 4, I said, This is the pattern that I found all those years ago. And I was so astonished. How can this be? It must be. And then I realized after reading the Bible that he said, We're not going to know. And I've never done that again. Okay, so. God is God. I'm not going to try to beat him to the punch. When the day comes, which involves a time known to God alone, we will not be surprised that it has come. But we will not have known that it was the day which he had ordained. We're not going to be surprised because we're expecting it. We're living for the Lord every moment. I was sitting outside feeding the birds this morning, out back of the mall, feeding the birds. You know, I got four, about 80 pounds of food chicken wings and all kinds of stuff they threw away and I'm just feeding them. Here comes a raccoon and I threw him a whole big sub here and he takes off and goes and eats it. And I was sitting there thinking, I wonder if the Lord's going to come right now. I, I'm always ready. I don't need to have a date. I don't need to have somebody tell me that. I just want the Lord to come. I'm ready anytime. Yes. I know. I think you said it, but it only clicked now. Not only we can't know the date when it's coming as in to say oh, it's coming now to predict, Right. We also can say, oh, it, there's another hundred years left. It's not coming in my lifetime. It's the same, but the opposite. That's right. Still, we can't know. It's we can't know. Today. And that's why I always try to say it could be tomorrow. We're living in a time that seems like everything is right. But I'm not going to give people a false hope. You know what? They could be dead tomorrow, and I'm not going to give them a false hope on that. So I try to talk around that. I really believe, and I think everybody here agrees, that the world is just ready for Jesus to return. Mm -hmm. You know? But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. No. That's not up to me. And when I, in 2005, I was certain, you know, this is it. And I thought, look at how bad this world has gotten. You know, I, I, I went up. We got time. Uh, let me finish this and I'll tell you what happened. Um, not two Thessalonians? Uh, we might do that too. But um, okay, so uh, life application. Setting dates for the rapture only causes harm. It is an embarrassment when it does not occur. It is an affront to God, and it diminishes the value of the church in the eyes of non-believers. That's the only thing that happens. You're not helping anything when you falsely predict the rapture. You are harming in all ways. Okay, this is when I was um, uh, in, we moved to Sarasota in 1993, moved into the house, we had Comcast and we used to watch TV, okay? And I'm sure I've said this in this class before, but you'll get the point. We're watching TV. They raised the rate 82 cents this year. And I said, oh, they're a business, they can do that. And they raised the rate a dollar next year. I say, they're a business, they can do that. And after about four years of living in the house, they raised the rate $5. And they said with a, a mailer in the bill, the Sarasota County Commission wanted their own channel and we're the the tender for it they we agreed to give them a channel but it's going to cost five dollars a month per subscriber extra so that they can see themselves on tv they gave us a tax without a tax and i called them up and i said i'm canceling and she said i've never had so many cancellations in my life and i said there's a difference they will be back. I won't. And we never had TV, did we? For years. 
We didn't have any. I, we're not going to have TV if they're going to do that. And it's the only provider. Back then, you only had that one provider. So they taxed us illegally. And just so they can see themselves on TV. And so we didn't go back. And so my daughter is now in college. She's up in Chattanooga. <coughs> she was doing the choo-choo, yes. She's in Chattanooga. She got dad really mad one morning at seven o'clock. And I said to my boss, I'm going to Chattanooga. And so I drove 10 hours to Chattanooga. And I got there at dinner time and my daughter was walking down the road to the d dining hall and she looked over and saw her dad and she knew she was in some trouble. And so I talked to her for 45 minutes. I got in my car and started back to Sarasota. So it would have been a 20 hour drive and I said, I got to Georgia, I think it was Marietta and I said, I can't go anymore. I'm gonna have an accident. So I got a hotel. I turned on the TV. I turned on my favorite channel, MTV, you get to watch music. It was so perverted, I could not believe I was in the same world. I couldn't believe. You all had been stewed like frogs and you didn't notice. I hadn't seen TV in 15 years and I could not believe. And today, what they were doing is nothing, nothing. I thought the Lord must be coming when I saw that. I said, how could the Lord tolerate that? And it was just perverted stuff they were doing at a swimming pool and there were no videos. They weren't playing music the way they used to. And I thought, the Lord's got to be coming. Now here we are, 20 years later, almost 18 years later, and it's so bad. And everybody says the Lord's got to be coming soon. I know the difference between 2005 and 2023. Okay, I don't know the difference between 2023 and 2032. It could get a lot, lot worse. So I'm not going to tell you that the Lord is coming tomorrow. All right, we have four more minutes and I'm going to, five more minutes, I'm going to read you 2 Thessalonians 2 very quickly. I'm not going to give any real great detail, but just remember what I'm reading and then we will go through it in detail. And I'm even going to make a chart so that you can see this, so you can process what he is saying in 2 Thessalonians 2. He says there, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, rapture, and our gathering together to him, rapture, right here, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us. If anybody tells you what I'm about to tell you, don't be troubled, okay? It, as though the day of Christ had come. So you've got the rapture he's talking about, but he said the day of Christ. This is now the focus of what he's talking about. He's not talking about the rapture. He's talking about the day of Christ, the tribulation period. That's what he's talking about. Because as I said earlier in this class, people are saying, we're in, we, we're in the tribulation, we're in the sixth seal. I had people tell me that all the time. Well, it's, we're in the, you know, we're in the whatever, the bold judgments. I, yeah, I hear this nonsense all the time. I heard it 20 years ago. Well, this is a long tribulation period. He's now talking about the day of Christ. That is the referent. As if the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. The falling away and the man of sin being revealed comes before the day of Christ. 
the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Something is restraining this guy, the man of sin. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains, which is the Holy Spirit, by the way, the Holy Spirit is restraining that guy, will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. The Holy Spirit is the seal on what? Us. The believers in the church. How do we know it's the Holy Spirit from the verses? I will talk about that in oh, detail. Okay. But we know it. Some people say I it's a, you, yeah. I remember what it was. Okay, some people say it's the church, but what defines right. the church? Right. The Holy Spirit. And plus, the church can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Only God can do it. The Holy Spirit is the the restrainer. He, until he is taken out of the way. When the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, then this man will be revealed. This man will not be revealed, or I'm sorry, the day of Christ will not be revealed until this man is taken out of the way. We will not know who the antichrist is because we're taken out of the way before he's revealed why would you try to predict who the antichrist is my eyes aren't on that guy my eyes are on jesus do you see the logic and i'll have this all nicely put out that is the sequence of events rapture of the church this guy is revealed he will then sign a treaty with israel for seven years he will be a roman if anybody says otherwise, they're wrong. That's Daniel 9, 24 through 27. And then the seven years of tribulation period. And then Christ will come. And guess who's coming with him? Us. There you go. Don't believe people that make this nonsense up. It's, it's so clear. It is so simple that if you just spend five minutes doing it, instead of watching those videos, you will have doctrine that is appropriate. Oh, no, that's the end of that. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, um, yeah. Um, so there you go. We got to close. I know I got excited today, but I get excited at people's ignorance and their willful ignorance so that they can predict the rapture. They can August decide. 18th. August 18th. There we go. Week before my birthday. Okay, oh, no. <laughs> 26th August. We can't have it because his birthday's coming up. And I don't want the rapture. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the surety we have that one, we are saved forever, and two, we are going when you call. And the people that have died before us will be going too if they are in you. Lord, that's all we need to know. We don't need to know all of the other crazy things that are out there in this world that are distracting us from pursuing right doctrine and right and holy living before you. Help us to do those things and not to get focused on the goofy. To your glory we pray, amen. Okay, here we go. Let me uh, say goodbye to the folks here, and then we'll push this and give them away, but they won't have sound, so let's see here. We're going to put it on break, break, break. Okay.